attended her prayer and God sent the needed help still sometimes she would wonder if her work was good Friendship is always sweet. Today I know God better through her selfless life alone. It was a praying mom that brought me before God's throne. It was a Amen. Appreciate that, ladies. Thank you for that song. A praying mom, and that is a tremendous blessing to have that in your life. Uh, somebody who will pray for you like that. And I know uh, sometimes it's not always your birth mom that does that. I know there's been ladies in my life, even in college, and while I've been away from home, that have filled that spot, always being away from my mom in person. Uh, you know, it's being called into the ministry has pulled me away from home. And uh, there's always been ladies. And so don't underestimate the power, no matter what position your life in, uh, life is in the value of prayer and uh, such a tremendous tool. All right, this morning, if you would go ahead and turn to uh, the book of Exodus, chapter 15, also put your finger in there and jump over to the book of Ruth, Exodus chapter 15, and then also the book of Ruth. We are pretty familiar with the story of Ruth, and we'll start there this morning. And um, we know um, that this book has, uh, is one of the greatest books as far as love, a love story, uh, is portrayed in the Bible, is right out of this book of Ruth. And uh, the story of Ruth and Boaz and uh, what takes place there. And uh, we'll look at uh, a passage here, and we'll jump to Exodus, and we'll be back to the book of Ruth this morning. We look here in this beginning of Ruth, the beginning of the story, it says, Now it came to pass in the days when judges ruled 
that there was famine in the land. And we can deduce right from that opening statement here that the, the city of Bethlehem, where uh, Elimelech and his family are, is under punishment. God makes it clear that it's the days when the judges ruled. And uh, it's, a day, it's a day of apostasy. The children of Israel had once again turned away from God. And so the judges were bringing consequences. through uh, God was bringing consequences through the judges. And there was a famine in the land. And it says, A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. His wife's name is Naomi, and he has two sons, Malon and Chilion. And we're pretty familiar with this story and this move that Elimelech makes to move out of Bethlehem to go to Moab. And Moab was an idolatrous city. It was a city that um, had very heathenistic practices, and Elimelech, you know, we can look at it, and we can jump to a lot of conclusions in the book of Ruth because a lot of things aren't directly stated. But what we do know for sure that in these first passages, these first five verses of Ruth, the name of God is not mentioned once in all of the decision process that Elimelech is making. God is judging the land, and Elimelech thinks that he can escape it by taking his family away from the promised land. And bringing them out to the world. This is obviously a bad move for him and his family. And we're going to see here shortly that it doesn't end well for his family. But I want to be clear this morning. The responsibility does lie squarely on Elimelech's shoulders. It was his responsibility to lead his family. And though they may have starved physically. He should have never brought them to a place where they were going to starve spiritually. Fathers, let me say that again. I know it's Mother's Day. You may take your family somewhere where they're not going to starve physically, but never sacrifice their spiritual condition. And so often we see things as being easier, or maybe they're easier path to travel, and we pull our families away into a place of destruction. And that's what happens here in this book of Ruth. They go to Moab and shortly after they get there, Elimelech dies. He thought he could escape death and starvation, but here he winds up in Moab and dying outside of God's will. It wouldn't be long after that that her two sons as well would die, Malon and Chilion. And so Ruth would be here left with her two daughter-in-laws. The two sons had married there. And these two ladies, Orpah and Ruth, and we jump down in our passage this morning to Ruth chapter, uh, we're in what, chapter 1, verse number 16. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave or return from following after thee. After all of her husband had died, the spiritual leader of the home, the son should step up. The sons didn't take Naomi back home, and so her sons eventually die, and Eventually what happens is we have a mom here who's lost all that she ever loved standing on her own and she says, you know, it falls to me now and I'm going to go back home. And she begins to leave and her two daughter-in-laws follow her and she's, after some convincing, able to convince Orpah to stay. She says, yeah, go back to your family. You don't need to follow me. You go ahead, go back home and you stay with your family. But Ruth, she's not able to convince we see it here as we continue in verse number 16, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if, I ought, but, if, it, if ought but death, part thee and me. And so Ruth is... She's not convinced. She's not going to be persuaded to leave Naomi's side. And we can, again, look at Ruth and we're going to see, or Naomi, I'm sorry, and see what she goes through and say, man, Naomi went through so much. So much grief and so much loss and so much heartache. And even today, as we consider motherhood, we have to consider the side of motherhood that comes with much brokenheartedness. Bringing children into the world is certainly a physical pain, but there is a brokenheartedness that also can come from being a mother. There's often heartaches that are associated with, the, associated with that. 
And all of us, in one way or another, have been through circumstances in our lives where we can relate to the idea of having a broken heart. As they continued their journey here in Ruth chapter 1, heading back to Bethlehem, they were getting close in verse number 19. It says, So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them and said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. We see here that Naomi makes a, a unique and really a quite strange request. As she comes back to the city of Bethlehem, she says, I don't want you to call me by my name anymore. I don't want you to call me by Naomi. I want you to, to call me by this name Mara, for the Lord hath dealt bitterly with me. And this is where we find ourselves jumping back to a not-so-distant past where the children of Israel are exiting from Egypt. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 22, the children of Israel have just crossed over the Red Sea. This is one of the miracles that really defines miracles for us today. When we think about crossing over on dry land and Moses lifting up that rod and the, the waters parting and what God is going to do in killing all of the Egyptians, it's quite the miracle. It really stands out in our minds. But just three days after this, these people are dying of thirst. Or so that seems. They have plenty of energy to complain. But in Exodus chapter 15, verse 22, it says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah, and the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And so we see here that Naomi is referencing a point in time in history where these people had gone through so much and they thought they were on the brink of destruction. Three days without water is a significant thing. We know that the human body can't endure much more than that. And so here they are on the brink of death and they come to a place where there is water and it's cool and they want to drink it, but they can't. Drinking it will surely bring them death. It is infused with salt. It is bitter waters. Poisonous to their bodies. And Naomi, coming back from Moab, says, This is how I feel. Call me Mara. I, I, I've been through a, a bitter time in my life. I've been through some very difficult time in my life. God has brought me through a heartbreaking situation. I have lost everyone. She said just a moment ago that she went out full, but she came home empty. There's a lot of irony in that statement. Why did they leave Bethlehem? Their stomachs certainly weren't full. They were starving to death. But what she's saying is, I went out feeling like my life was complete. I had my husband, and I had my children, and everything was just as I would wish it to be. We were together, and maybe Naomi fought, uh, fought Elimelech on this move. Maybe she didn't want to go. She said, hey, I'd rather starve with my family than go out into the world and lose them. I don't know if that's the, the conversation they had, but what we do know about Naomi is that she felt as though her life was full. And she said, now I'm coming back, and my life is empty. I have been through a bitter time. She's returning, according to her word, empty-handed. Yet she's returning, according to the word of God, in the time of harvest. More substance, more provision than she has seen for the last ten plus years. But she doesn't have her family. The Spirit is descending upon us. <laughs> That's not going to be distracting. <laughs> At least it could have been a dove. I mean, it, it has to be a blackbird. <laughs> oh. It could have been a bat. 
Yes, all right, let's keep an optimistic viewpoint here. <laughs> it's very appropriate because we're going to look about, we're going to take a look at the optimist viewpoint here. Let's get back to our passage this morning. It took three days for the children of Israel to go through bitter waters and for them to turn to God with a complaining spirit. But after 10 years of feeling abandoned by God, Naomi is looking back and saying, I have lost everything. I've lost my home. I've lost the comfort of it. I've lost my husband, which is my security. I've lost my children. I've lost my purpose. I've lost my joy. I am coming home empty-handed. Man, when you think about Naomi in this passage, what you see here is really a mother who has a broken heart. Call me bitter, she's saying. Call me bitter. That's, that's what I've been through. I've been through so much and my, my heart is broken. And I know it's Mother's Day and we want to celebrate you today, but I also want to be a help to you from the Word of God. And the truth of the matter is, moms and all believers alike in this room and every individual, you've probably been through some things in your life where you look at them and you say, God, why have you allowed this to happen to me? It's a difficult thing for her. It was not her responsibility to lead the family spiritually. It was not her responsibility but she bore all the consequences. She lost it all. And so I want to address the topic this morning of how to move forward when you have a broken heart. How do you move forward when you have a broken heart? When you see as though things have been difficult for you in your life. How can you progress when you feel as though you've been dealt an unjust hand? Or things are more than you can bear. How do you move forward? with a broken heart. Father, I pray that you would help us as we focus on your word this morning, even as we consider the distractions that are evident in this room. Lord, we do ask that you would help us to focus and to be able to glean from your word this morning. I pray that you would help us as only your Holy Spirit can. Lord, we are here today and we want to hear from heaven. Lord, I pray that all flesh would be removed and that your spirit would be in this place, it would be in our heart and that you would work mightily in our midst. Lord, if there's an individual this morning who's sitting in this audience who does not know for sure that heaven's their home, Lord, I pray that today they would get that settled. Lord, if there's an individual here today who has maybe made a decision to be out in Moab, has removed themselves from the will of God, Lord, I pray that today they would also choose to come home as Naomi has chosen in this passage, to return to you. Lord, may you have your perfect will in our lives today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Naomi is returning from this land of Moab, and it certainly has been a difficult time for her. And undoubtedly, Naomi is, <laughs> is it making a nest now? It looks like it's nesting, all right? Be quiet, birdie, all right? What's the little bird song about it being flying in the window and sitting on the, yeah, the windowsill? That's what needs to happen right now. The window needs to fall on the little birdie. I need my kids in here to sing the song. I don't know the name of the bird. Um, we see that we have this Naomi returning from these, this difficult time, and she probably wants to quit. She probably wants to give up. There are often things in our lives that we go through that will cause us to want to quit, that will want us to uh, want to call, that will cause us to want to give up. And I want to just make a couple statements as we begin this morning. Every reason to quit trusting God is a temporal reason. Every reason to quit trusting God is a temporal reason. <laughs> All right, come on. Someone's got to help me with the bird. <laughs> we are not going to get anywhere today. <laughs> Oh my. Lord, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to say? Don't chop trusting God. Okay, here we go. Let's get back into it. Every reason to quit is a temporal reason. And if I had a shotgun right now, it would really be temporary. All right. Oh my. Where's the safety team when you need it? Don't you guys have a bird's net or something? Come on. We're being invaded. 
Every reason to quit trusting God is a temporal reason. And we can look at our circumstances in our life and say, man, they're too difficult. I cannot continue in them. But they are all temporal reasons. So often we get focused on our issues, our concerns, our problems. And I'm not saying they're not difficult things. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Some of you are in, this, in here this morning and you are right where Naomi's been. You have lost a husband. Some of you in this room this morning, you've lost a child. You're sitting in here today and you've lost a child. And you're saying, God, why have you put me through this? You say, I just give up. I don't, I don't even know how to have faith in you anymore. I, I don't know how to move forward. My heart is broken. But I want to admonish you today. Every reason to quit always comes back to a temporal reason. We are looking at this life and saying it is too impossible for me to, quit, for me to continue on. But every reason, listen to me, every reason to continue for God is an eternal reason. Every reason to continue for God is an eternal reason. When you are looking at your circumstances and you say, I don't know how I will continue, I guarantee you as you evaluate those situations, you say, you know what, I want to be an example to my family. This is an eternal reason. You have a testimony for your children and a testimony for your family. You need to continue for the cause of Christ. Every reason to continue is an eternal reason. How could Naomi move forward? She was looking at her life and saying, what can I do? Call me bitter. My life has been so difficult. I want to just point out a couple things this morning here quickly. First of all, she spoke honestly of her condition. She spoke honestly of her condition. She came before these ladies as she was making her trip back home. And she came to those and those ladies gathered around her and said, Who is it? This is Naomi? She's back here. She finally arrived back home. This is Naomi. How is this happening? She said, No, don't call me Naomi. I want you to tell what I want to tell you what's been going on in my life. You call me Mara. The Lord has dealt with me bitterly. I've been through some difficult things. You know what? I'm at a point in my life where the Lord has punished me. And, and again, some of these things, you look at the story, we don't understand. But what we do know is that she's going through some difficult things and she's just laying them right out there in the open. I have been through some difficult times. You know what one of the biggest problems for believers and Christians today, why we can't move forward from a broken heart is because we won't be honest about our condition. Far too often, we as Christians especially, want to put on a facade like we're doing okay and like everything is perfect. We want to act as though we have no problems, there's no issues in our lives, there's no reason for concern. Just like I'm acting like that bird is not bothering me. I'm going to fake it till I make it, all right? But that's not how you should live your Christian life. Is not how you should live your Christian life. You have got to be honest with your condition. And far too often people even sit inside of a church and they have so many questions for God and about God and about the things of God and about His principles, but they never open their mouths. They are never honest about their concerns. And because they never address these concerns, they never move forward in their lives. Far too often we see people leave the house of God. They go out to Moab because they have concerns and questions that have never been answered. It is so important this morning that we learn to be honest with our condition. Honest with what's going on in our lives. Honest with what is happening. The Bible is very clear in James chapter 5, verse 6, 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, there's a lot of complaining that happens in church. Can I be honest with you? There's a lot of complaining. People have a lot to complain about. We have a lot of issues and a lot of things going on in our lives. And far too often, all we're looking for is somebody to hear our complaints. But that's not what the Bible's talking about here. Somebody who's just going to run their mouth about how horrible God is to them. And how difficult their circumstances are. But honestly, there's times in our lives where we're going through things that we need to speak to somebody. We need to get something off of our chest. And here she is. Here, is. here is Mara coming back to Bethlehem. And she's saying, you know what, guys? Hey, I am bitter. I have been through some bitter trials in my life. There's some difficulties that I've gone through. I just don't know how to bear them. She's honest about her condition. I believe she was brokenhearted. When she was leaving Moab, 
There's no doubt that as she was leaving Moab and her daughter-in-laws wanted to come with her, that had to bolster her spirit. I mean, isn't that how it is as human beings? We feel like we've been abandoned, but then some people come along and say, I'll go with you. I'll, I'll, I'll be your friend. We feel that encouragement, don't we? Absolutely we do. But then she starts to feel a little bit of guilt on pulling these girls away from their home and from their mom. Hey, girls, you need to stay home. Go back to your families. Go back home. And after some convincing, she's able to get Orpah to stay back. But hey, what about Ruth? Man, that had to be an encouragement to her. Not only would Ruth not leave her, but Ruth said, hey, you know what? I recognize that you have a God, and I'm willing to leave my home and make your home mine. I'm willing to make your God my God, and your people will be my people. And she is willing to leave all of that. That had to be encouraging to her. And I imagine, just follow along with me this morning, that Naomi is Naomi's going through this time and she's questioning God. God, why have, you, why have you allowed me to go through so much? That was my opportunity, guys. You missed it. He just flew up and landed on the live stream, live stream camera up there. All right, we got suit jackets off. We're going to just deal with that bird. Guys, in the hallway, open the door. Oh, wrong direction. Come on, let me just get guys. Open up all the doors. Let's get this bird out of here. I got 10 minutes to preach this message, and we're getting nowhere. All right. There he goes, live stream. There he, nope. Get, nope. Get him out the door. <laughs> Come on, I need some guys. Get down here. Get this bird out of here. <laughs> that was half-hearted, Brother Green. Hey, throw the hymnal at it. That's good. I'm good with that, too. There we go. Close the doors. Close the doors. Close the doors. Let's go. It can fly the hallway. We'll let it attack all the moms walking out today. But we are going to finish this service. Hey, we got a door open. Do not let him back in. He's a sly little fox. You leave a door open, that bird's going to... He's like the devil. He'll creep in any window. <laughs> yes, give yourself a round of applause. You deserve it. I should have had the women do it. They probably would have had it done 10 minutes ago. It is Mother's Day. We have to recognize their accomplishments. All right. Are we back yet? <laughs> okay. Where, what have we even said? Okay. She was honest with her condition. She was honest with her condition. And I have no doubt that she was questioning on her journey back home. God, are you still there? And Orpah was a little bit of an encouragement, and then Ruth was even a, a bigger encouragement to her. And she's wondering the whole time, God, are you still there? God, are you still with me? You've dealt with me so bitterly. Have you abandoned me altogether? She's at a point of questioning God. And even as we saw there in verse 21, I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. And she asks a question and it, it caught me off guard a little bit because I read this thing so often as a statement, but I didn't notice the question mark at the end. She asks the ladies a question. Why then, call ye why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Why are you calling me Naomi? You've seen God's punishment in my life. You've seen everything that I've been through. It's as though she's questioning these ladies. Why are you calling me Naomi? You know what I've been through. But I don't think she was even really questioning the ladies. These ladies didn't know what she had gone through. I think she was sitting here questioning God. Naomi means pleasant, and she's saying, my life has been anything but pleasant. My life has been bitter waters. My life has been nothing but heartache. God, where are you? It's such an easy place to come to. Does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth or song? As the burdens press and the cares distress and the ways grow weary and long? Does Jesus care when my way is dark, when a nameless dread and fear, 
As the daylight fades into deep night shades, does he care enough to be near? Does Jesus care when I've tried and failed to resist temptation strong? When for my deep grief I find no relief, though my tears flow all the night long? Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Is it aught to him? Does he see? Oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. And I believe that Ruth was that constant refrain. As she walked home and she felt as though she was all alone, Ruth was right there with Naomi saying, Naomi, I'm here with you still. I, I know you might feel alone, but I'm here with you still. And I believe as Naomi was even questioning God and does God care and my heart is so broken, how can I move forward? There's Ruth right there with her. A constant reminder that God does care. I mean, not only that, as they get back home, the first thing that Ruth does is we look in chapter 2, verse number 2, it says, And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn. Man, she, she went back with Naomi and she said, Hey, I'm going to go to work. Let, I'll, I'll provide for us. You may feel as though no one's here to provide for you, but I'm still with you, Naomi. I'm still here to help you. I'm still here to be a comfort to you. And we know that Ruth was a tremendous comfort to Naomi. You know, oftentimes I've found that we know the answer already to our own problems. But sometimes we just have to say it out loud. And I think as Naomi was going through her circumstances, she started to say, man, it's been so hard. God, you know, I've been through bitter waters and she's saying these things out loud. Am I alone, God? Are you with me? That she began to realize, you know what? God is still good to me. God is still good to me. And Ruth was right there, a constant reminder, reminding her that God, how do you move forward when you have a broken heart? Well, you just have to be honest with your current condition. Say it out loud. Go to somebody that can be a help. If you've got questions, ask them. The church is not a place for you to have a facade on and pretend like you're something special. We are human at best. And you might have a concern, you may have a broken heart, and it's okay to have that. Go ahead and speak it. And let help come your way. How do you move forward when you have a broken heart? Hey, maybe there's something that's going on in your life where you are bitter about something. Maybe it's not that something has happened to you, but maybe you've developed some kind of bitterness in your life. You know what? You have to speak about that too. You're going to have to deal with that or you will never be able to move forward. No matter what the cause for your broken heart, you have got to be honest about your current condition. And that's what happened with Naomi here. She spoke honestly of her condition. And as she began to speak honestly, I believe some things began to change in her life. And that's the second thing I want to point out today, is that she changed her focus. She began to change her focus. You know, you look at Naomi... And you say, what a difficult thing. Did she sin? Was she wrong? Did God, was God punishing her? And there's so many questions about why God would do this. And we always have questions when somebody's going through something difficult. Why is this happening to me? So much had been allowed by God to be taken from her. But she's not alone in scriptures. What about Job? You think about Naomi, yes, she lost her home. She lost her possessions, and she lost her family. Is that not unlike Job? He lost everything. But notice the difference in perspective, and I'm going to start moving very quickly here, so just follow along. Naomi's perspective was, I went out full, and I've come home empty. What was Job's perspective? Naked came I into the world, and naked I'll leave it. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what happened to Naomi? She felt like she had something that she deserved to have. And so when she lost it, that's all she could obsess over. Sometimes our problems become so large, even though we don't deserve to even have what God has given us in the first place. Sometimes our problems become so big that that is all we can see. I feel pretty confident in making a statement this morning. 
that none of you have anything in your purses or your wallets that's bigger than this cross. Right? Does anyone have anything bigger than the cross? But you could go ahead and even take a pen probably this morning and take that pen and hold it out in front of you and hold it in front of this cross. Go ahead and do the exercise. If you've got a pen in your hand, hold it out in front of the cross. You can still easily see the cross, can't you? This is such a simple exercise. You've probably all done this before. You hold it out. <laughs> the things people are holding up right now, I'm sorry. You're holding it out in front of the cross and it's blocking the cross. You can still see the cross easily, but you know what? Close one eye and pull that object closer to you. And before you know it, the closer that object gets to you, even the cross will become obscured. And for Naomi in her life, what she had lost be, had become all of her focus. All she could see was this. Her problems had even become bigger than God. And she said, God has dealt with me bitterly. Did Job deserve to go through what he went through? Did Job deserve to lose everything? It's kind of a trick question. He was a righteous man, wasn't he? Yeah, Job deserved it. You know why? Because God let it happen. You say, wow, that's hard. Did Naomi deserve to lose all this? Had she done something wrong? Well, as far as we can tell, as far as I can see from it, I don't see that she did anything wrong. Did she deserve to go through this, losing her husband and her kids? I don't know, but God allowed it. Far too often in our own lives, we look at our circumstances and we say, I deserve better than what I have. I deserve better situation. I deserve better circumstances. God, why have you been so hard on me? And Naomi looked at this circumstance and she said, I had so much before and God took it all away. Whereas Job, on the other hand, said, I didn't deserve anything I had to begin with. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Man, that's a difficult place for us to get to. But you know what, what happened to Naomi? She took that obstacle. I've lost everything. And she put it aside. She changed her focus. You know what the, the Bible tells us if we were to take the time and read through it here today? You know what she did? She began to focus on Ruth. And you read through the story of, of, of Ruth here, you know what she does? She's like, hey, you need to go back to this field. Hey, here's what you need to do. Hey, you need to go present yourself to Boaz. Hey, this is how you do it. Hey, you need to go over here. Who is the nearest of kin to Boaz? Naomi. Who should have been redeemed? Naomi was the nearest of kin. She could have been the one that was redeemed by Boaz. But you know what? Her focus changed. And she said, wow, Ruth has been with me all this time. And I've been thinking about, oh, it's all me. Look at all I lost. But here's Ruth. And you know what she does? She spends the rest of the book focused on, the rest of the time that Naomi is mentioned all the way up to the end, she is focused on helping Ruth get into a relationship with Boaz. Why? She took her focus off of herself and said, I'm going to help Ruth. You know what? If you want to move forward from a broken heart, get your focus off of self. Change your focus. Far too often today, we are looking at our circumstances saying, I can't move forward. I can't do it. My life has been so hard. I don't even know how to change. Hey, I'm telling you right now, move that object out of the way. Your problems are not bigger than God. And He is able to deliver you. He is able. You think about the story of Jeremiah and all that he went through. God came to Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, I want you to take all of your money and go buy a plot of land. A time of starvation, a time of famine, a time of that silver that he bought that land with, equating to his actual sustenance. He needed it to survive. But God told him to do something and he went to do it. And what does God question him with later? Is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for me, Jeremiah? Yeah, you may see this as impossible. But is there something that I can't do for you? Man, so often we get focused on our own problems. We get focused on our own concerns. But if we're to move forward, if we're going to move forward with a broken heart, we have got to take our focus off of self. John Wesley was walking with a troubled man who expressed his doubt as to the goodness of God. He said, I do not know what I shall do with all the worry, this worry and trouble. 
At that same moment, Wesley saw a cow looking over a stone wall. Do you know, asked Wesley, why the cow is looking over the wall? No, said the man who was struggling with worry. Wesley said the cow is looking over the wall because she cannot see through it. And that is what you must do with your wall of trouble. Look over it and avoid it. And so often we have troubles in our lives, things that we have bro- we're brokenhearted about. And I am not here this morning to belittle those or make them as though they're not significant. Because our problems that cause a broken heart are significant to us. But I am encouraging you this morning, if you're going to move forward from this, you've got to put it off to the side. And you've got to get your focus off of self. You cannot be focused on yourself. Finally this morning, something began to happen in Naomi's life and really a quite a change takes place. If you move towards the, well, first of all, let's just take a quick jump back. Naomi said, call me Mara, referencing the Exodus story. And in the book of Exodus, where that actually happened, God was trying to teach the children of Israel a very simple lesson. If we were to continue reading in Exodus chapter 15, God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to throw a stick into the waters. And Moses throws the stick into the waters and the bitter waters turn sweet. And the children of Israel are able to drink from those waters. And the Lord said, hey, I want you to learn that if you'll just follow me and if you'll be obedient to me and if you'll follow my statutes, if you'll keep your sight on me and my law and my word, that I will bring healing. It's exactly what he says. I will bring healing to you. You know what happened when Naomi got her sight off of herself? We come to the end of the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 4. The end of the love story. And verse number 13, the Bible says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when, and when he went, into, uh, went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. Listen. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom, and became nurse unto it. And the woman and her neighbors gave it a name, saying, There is born a son to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David, eventually the lineage of Jesus Christ. What happened to Naomi? It was Ruth's baby. (laughs) It was she that was born a son. It was her child. But the woman around her looked at her and said, Naomi, look, look at what God has done for you. And is it not what happened to Job as well? As he remained faithful to God, the end was better than the beginning. And was not Ruth better to Naomi than seven sons? And the comfort that was brought in her life as a result of taking her focus off of herself and putting it back on God, God brought healing to her heart. I guarantee you, the day that she clutched that little baby and held her to her chest, Naomi was praising God for all that she had been through. And the fact that Ruth was with her, and here they are, back home, back in the will of God, things are the way they're supposed to be, and look at this blessing that I'm holding in my hand. He's bringing nourishment to me. She was nourishing the baby, but that baby was providing healing to her. Why? Because God brought her to a place of healing. You know, sometimes we go through times in our lives where our hearts are broken and we don't know how we're going to move forward. I want to encourage you today, be honest with your condition. Get your eyes off of self and wait on healing from the Lord. Wait on healing from the Lord. Let Him bring the healing that you can never get. Hey, you know what? The truth of the matter is oftentimes we want to try to change our circumstances because we think changing our circumstances is going to bring healing. Rarely, if ever, does. Usually God has us through something so that we can learn to trust him in the middle of the storm and he heal our heart in the middle of the heartbreak before he'll ever change our circumstances. Naomi had to go through all the heartache and had to learn to trust God when the times were difficult. Then she found herself in a place where God healed her, where God changed her circumstances. 
She was honest about her condition. She took her focus off of herself. And she allowed God to bring the healing. I don't know where you're at today. Your marriage may be in shambles. And you're just holding it together by a thread. And your heart is broken about the circumstances. You say, I don't know how I'm going to even move forward. I don't know how to take another step. Be honest about your condition. You probably need help. Get some godly counsel. Get your focus off of yourself and what you perceive to be your own problems. And it's usually your spouse in that particular circumstance. Get your eyes off of what you think you deserve. How good your life should be. Get your focus back on God. Get it off of self. And let God bring some healing in your life. Maybe you have other reasons to grieve. The loss of a child. Maybe you've not ever been able to have children. Mother's Day to you is just a day of heartache. Maybe you've only had children who've never made it into this life as far as raising children. And to you, that's a great burden. Man, there are so many reasons why we might have a broken heart today. But I promise you, God knows what he's put you through. And he is sovereign in that. And it is what you need. And he will help you. Don't turn away from him. Be honest with it. Get your eyes off of yourself and let him bring some healing. This is not unlike those of us, those of you in this room today who don't know for sure that heaven's your home. This same recipe for the believer to get through a broken heart is the same recipe that somebody who doesn't know for sure that heaven's their home has to follow. You need to be honest with your condition. The Bible says that you're a sinner. Told me I was a sinner one day. Had to be honest with myself about that condition. And I had to get my eyes off of myself. Far too often we say, well, I think I'm a good person. I think it's me. I am the solution to this sin problem. No, you're not. If you want to pay your sin debt, you're going to have to do that by going to hell. The wages of sin is death. And death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. You want to pay your own sin debt, you're more than welcome to do that. But that's going to mean an eternity in hell. But if you get your eyes off of yourself and you look to that cross, you know what's going to happen? He'll provide healing. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You can know for sure today that heaven's your home. You know what the same solution for a broken heart is the same solution for a lost heart. And I want to encourage you today, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, to make today the day of your salvation. Be honest with yourself. Turn to God and let Him heal that sin problem that you've got. I don't know where you're all at today, and I honestly looked at this message as the Lord was giving it to me and said, why on Mother's Day? (laughs) But hey, it's there. Despite the bird and the circumstances, I want to encourage you today that God has not forsaken you. And no matter what you're going through, He's with you. And it may mean that you continue through some trials, but He's not forgotten you. Look around, there's probably some comforters really close by, just like a Ruth. But you're just looking at your problems so closely, you just can't see it. Let him bring some healing in your life today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning with me? Father, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for the privilege it is to be in your house today to hear from your word. And Lord, it's been a unique morning. But I have no doubt that you have a purpose in this. Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts now even as we move into the invitation. Lord, that however you want to speak to us this morning, Lord, that we would be submitted and obedient to you. Hey, folks, today, if you're in this room today and you don't know for sure that heaven's your home, you're, you're looking at yourself and I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you a question I want you to answer honestly. You're in this room today and I'm going to ask you, do you know for sure that if you were to die today, 100% without a doubt, that heaven's your home? Will you be honest like Naomi was? Do you know for sure without a doubt that heaven is your home? Maybe there's someone in this room today who doesn't know for sure that heaven's their home. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. If you're in this room today and you would be honest with me and you would be more importantly honest with God and say, I don't know for sure that heaven is my home, but I want to get that settled today. I want to be honest with God. I want to agree with him about my sin condition. And I don't want to have to pay the penalty of my sin. I will turn to him today. If you're in this room today and you say, I don't know for sure that heaven's my home, but I'd like to get that settled. Would you raise your hand? Nobody looking around. This is between me and you. 
just raise that hand. You say, I don't know for sure that heaven's my home, but I'd like to get that settled today. Would you be honest with God? Undoubtedly, there's probably somebody in this room who is trusting in themselves, thinking that your goodness will get you to heaven. The Bible, my friend, is true, and it says that your, your goodness, your righteousness is as filthy rags. There is no good that you can do that will get you there. If you're in this room today and you don't know for sure that heaven's your home, we have men down here, we have ladies down here, they'd be glad to take a Bible and show you from God's word his promise about how you can have a home in heaven. Maybe you're in this room this morning today and maybe you have currently a broken heart and you're wondering to yourself, I don't know how I can move forward. Well, we've heard the recipe today. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. As the piano begins to play, if the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you want to come and get Christ, you want to settle your soul salvation, come on down. There's men and ladies. Come on down. Don't hesitate. Maybe you're in this room this morning. You say, you know what? I've got a broken heart.